This is the UK Financial Intelligence Unit podcast. Hello and welcome to the UK Financial Intelligence Unit podcast. My name is David Maguire and I'm a senior officer in the UK FIU. In this edition, we're focusing our attention on wildlife crime and how we can potentially identify red flags through suspicious activity reports, or SARS. We'll be discussing a piece of analytical work that the UK FIU did on this topic, and we'll also be chatting with Alan Roberts and Ian Guilford from the National Wildlife Crime Unit. Now, if we use the definition given in the 2020 National Risk Assessment of Money Laundering and Terrorist Financing, then the illegal wildlife trade, IWT, includes the trade in species that are protected and prohibited from all national or international commercial trade. International organizations, including the Financial Action Task Force, or FATF, have assessed IWT to be a major transnational organized crime, generating billions of criminal proceeds every year. In fact, a FATF report in 2020 highlighted that the criminal proceeds associated with IWT are generated and moving through jurisdictions around the world, including the UK, with criminals exploiting weaknesses in the financial and non-financial sectors. So let's learn a little about how the UK is tackling this criminality. Ian, Alan, welcome to the podcast. So what is the National Wildlife Crime Unit? So what we do is we are a support agency for um, police investigations or mainly police investigations into all forms of wildlife crime. Um, we, the, the unit itself is an intelligence unit um, with an analysis um, side as well. And the investigative support means that we can actually put um, proper investigations in place because it's a very specialist area and most police officers don't actually understand um, very much about wildlife crime. In 2021, the, the UK FIU conducted a strategic assessment of the illegal wildlife trade, uh, which was shared with law enforcement agencies and partners. Many species were listed in the SAR data and it was felt that it's highly likely that the UK helps fuel the trade of endangered species by buying, selling and acting as a source and a transit destination. So I guess my question is, what kind of illegal wildlife trading are you coming across in the UK? A source country in relation to um, a few species which might not hit most people's radars, um, for instance eels. Um, the, the trade in elvers, which is um, baby eels, basically, um, is a massive trade internationally. And I think Ian can probably speak a bit more clearly on that because uh, he's the representative for, uh, for our unit. Yeah, just to add on what Alan's already said, um, in relation to the European eel, uh, the UK is a, is a source uh, country as opposed to a destination country so it is one of our priority areas um, the European eel is uh, seriously endangered the uh, numbers have crashed uh, for various reasons but one of them is the, the illegal trade in it the issue is that there is still a high demand for it in China um, and any like any uh, criminality uh, if there's a demand there's always a source uh, the price will go up Normally, you'll find on the riverbank, they go for £150 a kilo. Um, 
mean, it doesn't mean a lot, but within a kilo of uh, glass eels, there's about 3,000 odd eels. So there's a lot of eels in a kilo of uh, glass eels. Prices that are looking at being paid on the black market and illegally goes up to about 6,000 pounds. So it's oh, 6,000 euros to be correct. Um, so there is, yeah, there's a major trade in that and the UK is a source country for uh, European eels. Also, peregrines, uh, peregrine falcons, um, the, the Middle East trade in peregrine falcons where they where they race them or, or use them for hunting. Um, there's big money in that where our wild birds are being taken out of um, out of Scottish or Welsh um, hillsides and and shipped across, laundered into the captive bred um, population that are uh, perfectly legitimate, um, and and so they're disguised as these legitimate birds and and shipped off for multi thousands of pounds uh, into the Arab states for for um, falcon racing. So we we do have problems with birds and well, all species going out of the UK. The UK FIU SARS analysis that I mentioned earlier identified online sales platforms and social media sites being mentioned in SARS to sell species, enabling products to be traded under false names or narratives. Species listed online from the SAR data set included animal skulls, ivory listed as oxbone, bird species, whale and dolphin bone, and tiger wildcat skins. Is disguising the true nature of the product being sold a common occurrence then? There is a tendency for people to disguise items. The, the, um, the IMW is the obvious one, but when we do find people that are trading between each other in, um, in other media, they don't want to be talking about the thing quite openly, so they will give it a disguised name. Um, and this is quite common, really. Um, they'll give it an initial, um, say, T for tiger or something like that, or even more obscure. Um, a, a lot of the things that are referred to in conversations on platforms tend to be by the Latin name or you know, the scientific name, because um, that's the sort of familiar territory that people talk in. They, they don't necessarily give the whole name. So it's not quite that easy to, to find something sometimes. It's not necessarily this guising on, on that, but um, certainly it does come into it. The FATF 2020 report stated that criminals take advantage of the legitimate wildlife trade to commingle licit and illicit proceeds. This must present challenges for detecting illegal activity, especially if laundering the proceeds from wildlife crime generally involves trying to conceal or disguise the source movement and ownership of those funds. How do you deal with this? It's very difficult, really. Um, identifying the criminal side from the legitimate side can be quite can be quite a challenge, and and a lot of the time we will find out about things that have been moved out of the country after the event. Um, mentioning ivory, a lot of the trade that we've um, we've prosecuted quite a few ivory cases, and a lot of the things that have been um, identified, um, we never actually have any knowledge that the thing's being called ivory or, or, or is ivory. We just have to assume from the from the name on the description. But when it comes down to um, identifying um, other types of material or other types of goods, a lot of the people that are trading um, at the <clears throat> uh, serious crime level are also into um, the legitimate trade as well. They've got a perfectly good business going on. 
and they will just argue that this is legitimate business. We're, new, we're making our money from this and we're not making our money from, from the criminal side. It's not like drugs, you know, the, there's, there's quite a legitimate trade in a whole range of species. And, and so um, we are, I think, hopefully going to start working more closely with the, uh, the financial business sector to try and get uh, the SARS more used to us uh, than we, we have found so far. One of the issues that Alan touched on earlier was the trade in peregrines, and that's one of the ones that uh, shows the difficulties that we encounter. Um, there is a perfectly legitimate trade uh, within uh, the peregrines and other birds of prey from both in and outside the UK, but the, the issue comes that wild birds are, or birds are being taken from the wild and laundered into the captive legal market. Basically, they'll take them from the wild, they'll introduce them and claim that they bred the birds. So everything looks as though it is legal. And usually the only way that you can detect that sort of illegality is through maybe DNA parental testing to check whether the, the birds are related to the alleged parents. Uh, intelligence we work off. There's many ways you can do it, but it's not an easy way. And it, it's, it, it is an easy, well, not an easy way, I wouldn't describe it as that, but it is a way of laundering wild animals, illegally taken animals, um, into a legal market and then trading them legally or appearing to be legal trades in them. In the UKFIU analysis, SARS was submitted for the majority of species due to reporters' concerns of facilitating money laundering due to individuals having previous adverse media and or having served jail time for these offences, rather than there being current ongoing activity. What, what can you tell us about the people predominantly behind illegal wildlife trading? I think, first of all, there's, there's no such thing as a typical wildlife criminal. Um, they could be anything from, you know, rich businessmen to um, to drug dealers, effectively. And, you know, they, they are um, they're a mixture from the avid collector who is um, determined to get the biggest, the most expensive, the rarest of everything, and that goes right across the whole range of, of um, collectors. Although there are, again, there is the vast majority of collectors are perfectly legal, um, everyday people who don't, don't do a, don't commit any offences ever in their lives. Whilst those are there, there will always be people who are willing to or, or want to um, break the law to to actually get better than everybody else. Um, <clears throat> from from that. Then there's the organised criminal groups who are just using wildlife as um, another commodity. There is no typical profile, but obviously the ones that we are most interested in are probably the ones that are more interested, in, uh, more involved in the um, the traditional crimes, the ones that are the, making the most money and having the most impact on uh, on wildlife on a global scale. And they do touch. In the UK, they are financing uh, or using the financial resources of the UK and, and actually banking in the UK. Some of them. And how do SARS play a role in your investigations? What do you look for in them? We rely on the um, those going out to the different forces in the, the way they would go in in relation to any other um, reports, um, and then they would be passed on to us uh, as intelligence. 
So um, hopefully when we have access directly to, to obtain the, the, the data or the, the, um, the information from the SARS, we should actually make sense of it directly ourselves. And, and hopefully the, uh, the, the addition of a wildlife, sorry, a, a financial investigator will, um, will make all the difference to us and we can start picking up. Now it's evident that the illegal wildlife trade is present in SARS. Whilst red flags are useful, such as links to freight or courier services, international payments or references, these links alone are highly unlikely to be enough to implicate an individual in IWT and, and can account for multiple other activities. So I guess it's a realistic possibility that these payments could be from legitimate business by the subjects rather than anything untoward, despite them having perhaps previous adverse media is there anything, in your opinion, that SAR reporters could be looking out for? Anything that could assist in perhaps helping to tackle the illegal wildlife trade? Yes, I think it, it is going to be difficult because obviously it relies on a certain amount of knowledge of, of things like species. But um, it, it would be coming down to discrepancies in the in the values paid for things and, and such like. For instance, you know, somebody paying uh, well over the odds for something that's described as you know something common or, or, or not worth very much at all or, or regular payments that are coming into an individual for something that can't be particularly identified um, you know to to make um, you know large quantities of money over a period of time so things like that or or um, I think we'll have to start inputting into um, Sort of keywords or things like that. So we're, we're very happy to work with people um, that are in the financial um, market to, to actually identify certain areas where things would be, would be um, as you say, red flags. But <clears throat> it, it isn't a simple thing, and certainly there will be quite a lot of legitimate trade to disguise it all. Yeah, I think that's right. It's um, wildlife crime is and can be very complicated in many respects, and one of them is identifying actually what is illegal is not not illegal. And there's a lot of legal trade going on there, and we've already touched on it. The fact that um, there is a lot of legal trade which covers the illegal trade. So trying to identify it for someone who hasn't been involved in that arena for a can be quite hard. Myself and Alan, well, Alan probably just longer than me, but between us, we got well, I hate to think how many years uh, experience in dealing with wildlife crime. So you, you see the flags, you see the indicators, but for other people, it can be quite hard to actually identify what those indicators, what those flags are, what the, uh, the trade is. On, on the face of it, it's a legal trade. It looks perfectly legal, but it, it might be something that we could see. So I think, I don't know, it's, it's a difficult one to actually say how it can progress, but as Alan says, keywords, etc., can that'd be a great help in this well that brings us to the end of this podcast i'd like to thank my panelists ian guilford and alan roberts from the national wildlife crime unit for their participation now it's likely with the increased attention and understanding of iwt that the trade will continue to grow along with the level of sars reporting on the trade if criminals are relying on established methods to launder the proceeds from iwt including the placement and layering of funds for the formal financial sector, then this shows the important role that reporters can play in detecting suspicious activity. 
If you'd like to learn more about the work of the National Wildlife Crime Unit and also the UKFIU's analysis of wildlife crime-related SARS, which we touched upon, there are articles on both these in the November 2021 edition of the UKFIU magazine, SARS in Action, which is available from the National Crime Agency website. Don't forget, you can follow us on Twitter and LinkedIn to be kept up to date on UKFIU products, including future podcasts and magazines. And please remember to subscribe to this podcast on whichever platform you're listening from so as not to miss out on future uh, editions. So until next time, thank you for listening. I've been David Maguire, and this has been a UK FIU podcast. This is the UK. It's the UK Financial Intelligence Unit podcast.